Speaks, relearning the ministry of Christ. Shalom, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are on this great big planet that Yah has created. I hope you are well. I welcome everyone to another episode of the Ariel Speaks podcast. Woo! I am so happy to be doing this again. I don't know how long it's been. I think it's been what, uh, probably a few months or so. Who knows? But I am so happy to be here. I am so happy for my listeners who are tuning in to another episode. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your countless messages you guys have been sending me about another episode. When am I going to do it? So here I am. (laughs) Ta-da! Before I start this episode, I would like to give a great shout out to Savannah Marie on Twitter for this upcoming business she's doing. It's called Edges on the Go. It's a beauty supplier for natural edge control and edge growth oil. So if you are tired of putting, you know, toxic and uh, terrible chemicals in your hair, you don't know what they are, you know, you feel like it's damaging your hair and you want a more holistic and natural way of treating your hair, this is the way to go. It's coming soon, this year, 2020. Everyone, believers especially, let's come together to support our girl, Savannah. If you would like to contact her about any questions and inquiries regarding her product, regarding her craft, you can find her on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is Savannah Marie. I'll spell that out for you. It's S-A-V-A-N-N-A, Marie, M-A-R-I-E. And I believe this, these are two underscores. Yes. So I will also leave that in the show notes and I will leave her um, Instagram handle for the business, edges.onthego. Of course, if you have trouble finding that, I will easily link that again in the show notes and you can easily find the show notes on our podcast website, R-E-L-A-R-I-E-L speakspodcast.com. So all that information will be available on the site so there's no confusion and so that you can get to things quickly. On our website, we have um, plenty throughout, you know, the episodes I've been doing. I only have three <laughs> so far, so far. Throughout the episodes I've been doing, I try to promote someone um, on every episode or even more than one person because it's just all about for the sake of community. And since we are a body, the body of Mashiach, the body of Yeshua HaMashiach, we should truly live out that lifestyle of community and having each other's backs and supporting one another. We live in this age and we live in this church culture, which I'll be talking about later on in this episode, where people just want to have the upper hand or they want to do things before the next person does. But I don't believe we should have that competitive spirit in the body. We are all here. We all have the eternal perspective. We all have the eternal purpose and the eternal vision that Yah has placed inside of us once we have once we had become alive through Yeshua HaMashiach. And that is, you know, that is what is the gospel is all about. It's about becoming alive in him and living at that, that gospel, not just um, saying, you know, I'm a Bible believer and I go to church, but it's truly about living out that gospel in our, in our everyday lives to people who don't know Messiah and people who do know Messiah, our neighbors and our strangers.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. And as we think on these things, open our hearts and our minds to hear you. I am grateful for this opportunity to speak today on the topic of where is the church? As I speak, may your Holy Spirit influence my speech and thought process as I speak to my brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters. May the words I say not be my own, but yours. May you be glorified in this moment, O my Elohim. Together, as we explore the reading from Isaiah 66, through the written word and the spoken word, may we know your living word, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. During the pandemic, which is still ongoing, by the way, during the pandemic and social distancing and lockdown and such, I've seen believers say online, and I've heard them say in person, how much more must I wait before I go back to church? And the very first church service after the coronavirus has passed is going to be on fire. It's going to be amazing, exciting. It's going to be, you know, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like just stepping into church the first day after the first time in forever, basically. Many even messaged me during this time saying I've grown weary and distressed, a point to a state of depression because they cannot go to church. I know many of us have seen news reports about pastors, numerous pastors and churches opening up their doors and letting people come in and then people die because they're infected with the coronavirus because they refuse to stay home. People have lost common sense, falling into, say, depression and missing the entire point of church because they idolize an ongoing, predictable, and weekly routine. This is not something to condemn anyone or to judge anyone, as people say. But I want to remind believers of who we are and why it is important to unlearn certain ideas and ways of thought that has been the tradition for many, many years now. Sadly, many of us have become in bondage to what we call freedom. As I take you through Isaiah chapter 66 verses 1 through 2, I will be explaining how this very small passage applies to believers and the church culture today surrounding coronavirus and emotionalism and materialism and this falsehood that stepping into a church or attending a weekly service establishes our relationship with Yah. And if we no longer have that weekly gathering and that congregation and that fellowship, then suddenly this God experience that we have built our entire lives based on this once a week thing, it's suddenly not there because we are not in that specific location. So I will be dismantling all of that now. Isaiah 66 verses 1 through 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. Heaven is Yah's throne. Here Yah is represented as having his throne there. He is king, and heaven is the place where he holds his court. This is where he gives his commands, and from where he studies all his creation. Yah dwells in the massive and distant heavens. No house or temple that is built on earth can be magnificent enough for him to abide in. The earth is my footstool. 
a footstool that is placed under the feet when we want to rest our feet. Our Elohim is so glorious that even the earth could be seen only as his footstool. To us, this planet is so enormous, but with Yah, it is nothing but a footstool to him. So where then is a house that we could build for him? We've established the fact that one, heaven is Yah's throne where he resides. And two, the earth is Yah's footstool, being very small in his sight. He then asks, what house can you build that will be an appropriate dwelling for him who is bigger than all his creation? You see, there must be an understanding among the body of Messiah that Yah is not interested in church-going routine. Going to church and how much you do it is the least of his concern. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you should not go to church, church is bad, and all the other things people use as excuses. Fellowship is important. It's part of our growth. I believe the institution of the church is great when people understand it is not the institutionalization that makes the church what it's supposed to be. First off, the church is not a building, but the people. Better yet, in the Bible, the church is called the body of Messiah, and Messiah, who is Yeshua, is the head of this body, according to Colossians 1.18. That being said, you can be anywhere in the midst of other believers, gathering for the purpose of glorifying God, and still have church. Also gathering, especially under our current and previous circumstances with the coronavirus, is not always something physical. So we thank y'all for technology so that we can come together using things like Facebook, Zoom, and other applications for assemblies and groups. Wherever the people of God are, that is where he is also. He will never leave nor forsake us. As a child, I remember having friends at church and they were my best friends. They were literally the only strong friends I had in my childhood. But I would only see them on Sunday. Throughout the rest of the week, I would not see them. Here and there, I would go to a birthday party or something, but the main place of meeting them and developing our friendship was on Sunday at Children's Church. Eventually, we grew apart. As I grew up, I realized the friendship didn't last as long as I imagined it to because the foundation of our relationship was where we met. When I stopped going to that church, I no longer saw them anymore, and the friendship faded away. Unfortunately, for many believers today, they are that young child who only saw God on Sabbath and Sunday, or Sunday, and for the rest of the week, they went on with their lives without him. This alone creates a twisted idea about who Yah is, as if he can be limited to an opening prayer, offering time, worship service, and a sermon, as if he could be limited to a place of worship and a certain time and function. Isaiah 66 states it clearly, when studying the Godhead and our subordinate role to the Creator, there is absolutely nothing that can compare to and stand against the Most High Elohim. If we believe we can only find the richness of spirituality in a weekly gathering, we have a messed up idea about who Yah is and who Yah himself has called us to be in Yeshua. Second, the church is within. By the grace of Yah, every believer represents the church the body of Messiah, we must ask ourselves, are we being the church or are we going to church? In America, especially within the Bible Belt of this country, I'm sure many of you here down south can relate. There is a church across the street, down the road, down the next road, and so on. There is a church on every corner to be short and sweet with it. And, you know, that would be great if every community that these churches belonged to reflected the mission, vision, and well-being of these churches. 
Sadly, that isn't the case. Don't even mention about how everyone and their mother claims to be a follower of Yeshua. Try knocking on every door in your neighborhood and other neighborhoods surrounding yours. Ask people if they know Messiah as their Lord and Savior. Most will say, yeah, I go to church, as if attending a service every week is what makes you worthy of being a servant of Yah. The body of Messiah has a responsibility to be, as in to act, the way that Yah has called us to be, and has called us to act. Not display this form of godliness in our outfits, tithe-giving, skilled worship gifts, and so on. Not to stay stuck in the four walls of a sanctuary all day and say, this is what Yah wants. Not spend six days before spiritually consuming junk, then going to church to get our sprinkle of Jesus and call that a relationship with Yah. This is not what he wants from us. Fellowship, love, and intimacy, realness, all these things, but Yah starts with us. It starts from within, that very moment your heart is set on Yah's love, when you are extending that same love, passion, and mercy, and humbling yourself in act of service to others. Those moments when you are abiding in Yeshua and feasting on the scriptures, when you are pouring your heart out to the Father in prayer, when you are simply in the presence of Yah. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? Earlier I said no house or temple that is built on the earth can be magnificent enough for Yah to abide in. We call places of worship the house of God. And some people take that to the extreme and their minds are set on meeting Yah there. That is absurd. Many of us have locked in our minds that Yah lives in buildings. And not only buildings, but places that are decorated pretty with glass windows and marble floors. Just think about how devastated people were when the Notre Dame Cathedral caught on fire. Celebrities and the average civilian spent millions of dollars on a place of worship because of how aesthetically appealing it was and its history. In 2019, a news article reported that companies and ordinary citizens for the restoration of the fire-ravaged Notre Dame Cathedral were approaching 900 million euros after just two days. Two days when converting 900 million euros to the U.S. dollar we get 998,504,462 dollars. That is nearly one billion dollars. All for a building. This is what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, the indoctrination within these cathedrals have not been confronted, and their leader supports a one world government and the unity of all religions. And Let's not even talk about the sexual abuse that happens in these cathedrals and that happens within these churches. I can go on and on, but you see my point. There is no house, no temple, no church, no cathedral that we can build for Yah. He is the creator of this entire universe. What could he possibly need from us? Now, I am not saying you cannot build a building. Even though what I stated was a fact, and many great saints of the Bible recognize this too, the second temple was still built. But what I am saying is, it is not everything because it is not our source. A building doesn't make the church. It doesn't and it should not enhance our God experience or our relationship with Yah. When we see people put so much focus on a building, 
We must ask ourselves if the desire is driven by the spirit or the flesh. We must also examine ourselves because now that we understand Yacht is not a friend you meet only on Sabbaths and or Sundays and the building we visit every week consists of the church and it's not the church itself, there has to be a spiritual cleansing that takes place because there is nothing godly about being so obsessed with going to church that people lose morality and become depressed because they can no longer go for a moment in time. This is how far materialism goes. And I will be brave enough to say that those who just go to church just to be going with no purpose are unfortunately victims of this very thing. While there is materialism in this false sense of security and yah with how big a building is and how pretty it is, there is also idolatry in the church. I mean, must I explain the severity of committing the sin of idolatry? I will give you two examples, both from the Torah and the New Testament. So we have Deuteronomy 17 verses 2 through 7 in front of me, and I will read that. It says, If there is in your midst, in any of your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you, a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, by transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods, and worshipped them, or the sun, or the moon, or any of the heavenly hosts, which I have not commanded, and if it is told you, and you have heard of it, then you shall inquire thoroughly." Behold, if it is true, and the certain thing that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out that man or that woman who has done this evil in your gates, that is, the man or the woman, and you shall stone them to death. On the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness." The hand of the witness shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Thank y'all that, you know, when we slip up, we don't get stoned to death, right? Um, but even though we don't get stoned to death, there are sins that eventually lead to death, and that takes me to Revelation 21 verse 8. And of course, I'm going to read a few verses ahead. So we can get some context. I'll start with verse 5. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And here's the verse. 
but for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. As you can see, again, even though we no longer stone people for committing idolatry, sooner or later, it leads to death. Of course, many believers are not setting up an altar and calling on another God's name. But we know that Satan is wise and is cunning. We know the adversary is very clever. And idolatry can come in many ways that are unseen. So let's not be ignorant of his schemes. So here we have the idol of preachers. There are believers who invest so much time in attending conferences of well-known preachers across the country. It was before the pandemic of coronavirus that I saw so many posters online advertising phone call conferences, prayer conferences, all these conferences with these grand pastors that everyone loves and looks up to. These pastors are upheld and are seen as poster children of the faith. I will go even as far as to say there are many versions of themselves because people obsess over their preaching style, looks, and personality. This is not the average culture or the average practice of honoring and respecting leaders who labor among us as scripture does command us to do. It is unfortunate some people have stepped over the line into idolatry. I won't say that pastors that have people throwing themselves at them are responsible for the actions of another human being, but there has to be humility present that they can rightfully and boldly tell their admirers and congregation and students that they are simply a human being just like them. Apostle Peter did this when Cornelius met and bowed down before him. That glory belongs to Yah alone. And then there's the idol of worship and entertainment. For old school folk, they are probably going to love what I'm about to say right now. There are many believers who gather in churches that have skilled singers, good music, primarily to be entertained, like a concert. As much as I do love contemporary Christian music, I recognize it can be a stumbling block to many who do not understand what worship really is. At the church I currently attend, I am on the praise team and I'm a skilled singer. Not as skilled as others, but I consider myself skilled. After service, many people come up to me and say, Great singing, Ariel. And while I thank them and give the glory to God, in my mind I'm like, What if I didn't sound good that day? And is this what it's about to them? As I am giving my act of worship to the Most High, some aren't experiencing what I'm experiencing. And that is alarming to me. In my opinion, even though we are called to worship with excellence and skill, as Solomon's temple had musicians and singers and dancers who were gifted and skilled, we have gone too far in church and have blended a fundamental value of the entertainment culture of the world with a sacred time in our sanctuaries. Getting into worship and how Yah calls us to worship is a topic that will basically take over this entire recording, so I will move on. The idol of personal property. Corporate church has influenced a competitive spirit and entitlement to positions, roles, and titles within the church. On Sabbath or Sunday morning, if you go to a smaller church like me, people will look at you weird for sitting in a seat they normally sit in, like they own the place and like there are other places to sit in. Trust me, I am not lying. It's that ridiculous. 
and it gets worse. Ministry itself has become all about me, 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 and you, you, you for many others instead of expanding the kingdom, preaching about the kingdom of God and Yeshua who has resurrected. People betray their communities, become glory snatchers, although in reality no one can snatch away God's glory, and hurt the very people who God called them to love for the sake of making a name for themselves, making ministry and church all about themselves. What we have does not belong to us. That is the reality. And we should not look at a fellow brother or sister in ministry as a rival. Galatians 5.26 says, Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. We are all in this together, and there shall be no fight for space or to exercise our gifts because there are many gifts that are from the same spirit. There is room big enough for all of us to perform the good works Yah has placed in us. Competition between God's servants is illogical for many reasons. We're all on the same team. Our goal is to make Yah look good, not ourselves. We've been given different assignments, and we're all uniquely shaped. Let me tell you, I can go on and on about idolatry in the church, but I'm sure you get my point. I pray and I hope that during this time we've spent in our homes, that when it is time to come out as some of us have already came out, we don't return to that mindset. That we've taken all that Yah has revealed to us and have hidden it inside of our hearts. Our hearts ache and mourn to return to weekly congregating and fellowship. But are our hearts aching and mourning for the right reason? The way people have been going on and on about this is just not healthy. Sadly, corporate church has become, yes, I will say the word, toxic. It has become a business, a country club even. We must come out of idolatry and run after what Yah truly wants from us. He wants our hearts. Continuing on in the two verses of Isaiah 66, but to this one I will look. So Yah says here that he won't pay a lot of attention to what we have already built and or work to do because all those things belong to him either way. God is the creator of all things. No, he didn't physically come down and build a tower or a building, but he created those who would do those things. The skill, the talent, the determination, the zeal, etc. He put it in us to do great things. So it all comes from him and belongs to him. That's like your mother giving you $50 and you spent it and buy her something for Mother's Day. Sure, that was super thoughtful, but you used her money to buy something for her. This is pretty much the same thing going on here. To him who is humble. The word humble here indicates not one who has no property, but one who is crushed, afflicted, oppressed in soul. The idea here is not that God looks with favor on a person who is poor just because they're poor. This is not the message here because Yah's favor and grace is not given in view of our physical condition, but that he regards with favor a person who is humble and quiet in spirit. God says, this is the person I'm going to look to. One who is humble, the one who's repentant or broken over sin. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 makes a lot more sense when comparing it to Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2. Yah is looking for people who still tremble, who hears his word and cries out, who humble themselves and live in remembrance of his son. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Yeshua says. And last of the scripture, and of contrite of spirit and one who trembles at my word. 
a spirit that is broken, crushed, or deeply affected by sin. It stands opposed to a spirit that is proud, haughty, self-confident, and self-righteous. This is a person that fears Yah and his commands. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We cannot contain the greatness of Yah's present, or to or begin to do justice to the greatness of his glory within a building, any building, not even our homes where we are. The Lord is not impressed with any temple or cathedral that man may build for him, but he does look with favor upon the man whom he describes as he who is humble and who has a contrite spirit. The Lord looks with favor at one who trembles at his word. We are caught up in attending church, making sure we're not forsaking the assembling, which is a scripture that pastors have twisted the context out of for years, putting in our tithes for the week. And tithes are not even commanded under the new covenant, yet we are still seen as robbing God. And our spirits are not broken at sin. We aren't convicted of righteousness. Our hearts are not repentant. We do not fear God. And our relationship with him is dependent on a place we go to. We are missing the point, and if believers continue on like this, after this season, we will be deceived. There is much talk about not being able to attend church and how our rights to our religion were being taken away. I can completely understand that. But Yah is doing something in the midst of all of this. And if you are too focused on yourself and your rights and and you're getting arrested and you're putting people in harm's way because you don't want to be considerate of those around you, you're going to miss it. All these distractions, you're going to miss it. My question is, since people are so eager to go back, when we return to attending church, what are we returning to? Because before everything closed down, you had pastors who were sleeping with people in the congregation, pastors who sexually abused children and members within the church, ministers who are Freemasons, witches, and all the other abominations that are laying hands on you and on your children who are pastoring your church, praise team members who lead worship on Sabbath and Sundays yet fornicate, do drugs, and much worse every other day of the week. Sexually and more people behind pulpits as deacons, bishops, apostles, evangelists, etc. Treasury departments stealing money for themselves and members hating one another. The list can go on and on and on. What in the world will we be returning to? And what is so exciting about all of this? Yah has showed me a lot of things during this time. And you can say he showed me a lot of corruption, but he also showed me what what it was is that the desire for the body of Messiah to come back with a changed perspective. We can no longer play pretend. Yeshua hates hypocrisy. It angers him. Just read Matthew 23. We laugh, joke, and scoff at the Pharisees of those days. But in reality, we are no better than they are. We walk in with our Sunday best, Pray stomping and dancing, falling out, shouting and hollering. Hey, we look so holy, right? But on the inside, nothing is there. It's just vanity. We're so far from Yah. 
We can't afford to return the same way we left. Matthew 15 verse 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. No longer we do this, God's children. We have to clean out our homes, clean out the house of God, clean the church, clean out the body. It is okay to attend church. I'm not saying that it's wrong and that you should just leave. Though what I am saying is that we must have a different mindset when it comes to all of this. There's no reason for someone to grow cold, depressed, and weary because they can't attend church. Again, all of that is within us as I stated earlier in this episode. I can understand not having community if you live alone, but truly having Yah should be enough. Your only source of joy and contentment should come from the Most High, and He is with you wherever you go. We cannot escape from the presence of Yah. Where could we run? Where could we hide? Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Yeshua. You know, of course this is easier said than done, but we must learn to do this sooner or later. We will not always have each other, and we won't always have the privilege of walking into a building and having weekly gatherings. These are times of peace before the storm. So just imagine the storm. We have to look to God who is our help, our defender, our heavenly father who loves us. He wants our undivided attention. This is the perfect time. Not for him, because for him every time is perfect. But it's perfect for you. I just think it would be ridiculous, it would be tragic if I've remained silent on my podcast about this. Um, Everything that has to do with the current events of today, of this year, and what's really just been happening the last few weeks has really troubled me as, well, first off, as as a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, and second, as Um, as a black woman, as a young black woman living in America. And I do want to talk about the issue of racial injustice, but I just want to build on top of what a pastor in Texas had to say regarding the silence of the church, because the church has been so silent um, about these events. And it's really unfortunate because we are supposed to be a light we're supposed to stand up for justice and i'm not talking about worldly justice but i'm talking about biblical justice and the things that we have seen these past three to four weeks when you see these things something in your heart should break and you should be crying out and you should be standing up for what's right instead of hiding behind your political views Um, and your biased opinions about, you know, what if or what could have happened and all these 
theories and all these old wives fables that don't really matter what matters is that um someone who was made in the image of god um is senselessly killed because of the color of their skin and i will go more into that after this clip but i truly want you to listen carefully um and just think with the open mind in the 60s, the, the civil rights movement was born out of the church. And so if you, you study Martin Luther King, like there was this pattern. They, they would meet, they would pray, they would worship, they would go over kind of the rules of the protest, and, and then they would march. And, and this was a rhythm that was established by King so that it was rooted in the church, that the church led out in a very real way on the civil rights movement in the 60s. And, and now one of the things that has happened is the church by and large has, has refused to participate, which means that we have turned over, God help us, we have turned over what is our inheritance to dark ideologies. Like when you say, hey, we're not gonna get involved, let's just preach the gospel to that. Which by the way, I find so Hypocritical. You don't just preach the gospel of sex trafficking. You don't just preach the gospel on the issue of life and abortion. No, you act. And so it's why it's like this brain broke disjoint that's got us acting obscene, I mean, absurd and then critiquing this movement as being evil and dark when we have given up our inheritance. You cannot point out all the flaws in this current movement while you have abandoned the place that we were meant to play. You cannot point out all the, well, this means this, and this believes this, and that's this, and that's this, and, and ignore the sorrow and lament of 12 to 13 million image bearers in our country. And that was Matt Chandler. He is a lead pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, and the president of the Acts 29 Network. We must understand where this movement behind the fight against racial injustice came from. And we can go even further into the history of America. It did not only start with MLK. After slavery was, and I will say, quote unquote, abolished, black churches and white churches across the country helped those who were enslaved reunite with their families they were separated from and support their livelihood. The body of Messiah the individuals who make up the true body of Messiah started this movement. Of course, it is nowhere near as genuine and fresh as it was back then, but just like Pastor Chandler said, something that was a part of us, we gave it up to secular and dark ideologies and narratives. Along the way, we lost it, and now it is in the hands of people who may have good intentions, but are unfortunately breeding more hate and corruption. This world handles problems the best way they know how to do it, and we cannot complain about them if we are sitting on the sidelines saying, just preach the gospel. In no way is our faith passive. If you say preach the gospel, you must also show it and live it as well. I spoke to a brother in the faith recently and shared with him that truthfully, as far as the sin of racism should go for believers, at the end of the day, the agreement we should all come to is harm against a fellow image bearer is wrong. And ultimately and idealistically, that is where it should stop. We should not even have to say a black man was murdered by the hands of police brutality or racism because it is something we should all be able to understand and feel regardless of the color of our skin or our upbringing in terms of political views. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
do you know how many Christians I have seen in the last three months showcasing nothing but pride, ignorance, and hatred in response to these topics? Why is that? People have allowed Satan to give them a lie and to ignore and turn a blind eye to fellow human beings who are created in the image of Yah just like them, being senselessly murdered, and their blood is left crying out from the ground because there is no justice. Many of you know my stance when it comes to the justice of this world versus the justice that the Most High gives. I prefer the latter. But in the body of Messiah, and what so many call the church, where? Where is the godly justice displayed? And why does the world have to take what was ours and run it? Why can't God Almighty and the true acts of the gospel be at the front lines in us, showcasing in us? I I could honestly say so much more, but I digress. Writer Taylor Duvall says, Church is a human connection of love, not a building. A lifestyle, not a weekly activity. An act of service, not a service to attend. We must believe and truly listen to what Yah is telling each of us today. Hide that inside of our hearts. The body of Messiah has a lot of work to do. But thanks be to Yah, through our Lord Yeshua, that we are being sanctified each day for His will and His glory. I hope many of you are encouraged by this message. You may be convicted as well. Please don't hate me because I love you. (laughs) All scriptures and references and sources will be in the show notes when this recording is released. So I will just end with a prayer now. Heavenly Father, as I end this recording, may we leave and go in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, your Holy Spirit. May your grace and love be with us each day. Open our ears that we may be able to hear in the spirit and follow the leading of your spirit. Help us to continue looking up to you every day, even when life doesn't make sense, more than ever before. Father, don't allow Satan to steal the joy of our salvation that you have filled in our hearts. Help us continue to fix our gaze on you, on Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. Bless us, O Father, with your unfailing love and cause the work of our hands to prosper. Uphold us by the palm of your hand and see us through each stage of our lives. Bless us when we go in and when we come out each day. In Yeshua's holy name, we believe and we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, everyone. God bless you.